Matthew 2, verses 10 and 11. When they saw the star, they being the magi, the wise men from the east, they went on their way. And the star they had seen, sorry, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Three gifts from the wise men from the east frankincense, myrrh, and gold. Beautiful gifts given in response to this child king, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Frankincense, a fragrant and unique anointing oil, an oil that was like no other. We likened the gift of frankincense in our own lives to the gift of talent two weeks ago. We said our talents are like the gift of of frankincense to this child king. That we are specifically gifted for specific purposes. And we ask the question, what specific gifts have you been given that you can then give back to the king Let me phrase it this way. What is something that only you can do? See, the gift of your talent is like frankincense, we said. And last week we said myrrh. Myrrh is the the odd gift. It's a burial spice or a burial offering, which um, Mother Mary must have been like, for my kid, really? Seriously? Um, But myrrh reminds us that we have a limited amount of time here on earth. We said myrrh for us is like the gift of time. That God can only use your talents if you give Him your time. Even if you are tremendously able, if you have great ability, God can only use you if He has your availability, is what we said last week. That you can be tremendously talented, but that you can waste those talents if you do not give God your time. And so we said, how will our time be a gift for the king? How will our time be the myrrh that we present to this child king? And today, we want to talk about gold. Gold's an easy one. I don't even have to unpack it. It's not like some weird oil. Uh, It's just gold, all right? So gold for today is our treasure. We talked about our talent, our time, and now our treasure. Our treasure is what we would liken unto gold. You can imagine um, Mary and Joseph sitting there going, frankincense, this is beautiful, wonderful, myrrh, a little bit mysterious, like kind of like that gift from that uncle that we don't know what to do with. And then gold, oh, we got this one. We know this one. Right? Even Joseph and Mary were like, yes, we are poor, and gold is a very, very good thing. So our goal for today is our treasure. 
What is our treasure? We're talking in particular about, about wealth, about money. So if you were like, really, seriously, money, I came on this week. The pastor can talk about money right before the end of the new year. So I can either get these checks at the end of the new No, no. This is, this is, this is, we want to talk about these gifts. And, and I think this is a great time for us to talk about these gifts, right? So listen, some of you have spent way more on Amazon Prime than you should have this week, okay? <laughs> let's, be, let's be honest up in here, right? Some of you are racking up a credit card bill that you're going to get come mid-January and you're going to be like, oh no, how am I going to pay for that, right? This is an important time for us to talk about treasure. Let's define treasures. Primarily, our finances, our investments, our cash. The Bible uses an Aramaic word called mammon. Mammon is whatever makes you wealthy. Whatever makes you wealthy. So back then in that day, uh, it, it, it was a more of a barter system, right? There's this guy, Joe, and he's a fisherman, and he fishes not for pleasure, but to actually feed people. And so Joe, he catches some fish, and he goes down to um, Max, who lives down the street, and Max has a cow, and out of that cow comes some milk. And so Joe says to Max, hey, I'll trade you a fish for some milk. How, we, how about that? And so they trade and they barter, and that was kind of um, the day and the age. But even in that day and age, uh, there was certain things that were considered more precious than others, right? So Max and Joe, they had fish and milk, but Bob, Bob rolled into town one week, and he had jewels. And suddenly everybody wanted jewels. And suddenly Bob said, I've not only got jewels, I've got also precious, um, precious uh, gold and silver and precious metals. That, that really has filtered into our today's system of the dollar, right? Think of a five, a ten, a hundred dollar bill. Think of checks and credit cards and our monetary system. But the question remains the same as the milk and the fish, the beautiful jewel or the dollar. The question remains for us, how should I handle the things that have tangible value in our society? Specific to us, how should I handle um, the mammon, the money, the wealth, what God has given to me. And, and I want to be really clear on this because we are wealthy in this room. And some of you are like, no, I'm not. And the reason you say, no, I'm not, is because you're thinking of someone who has more than you, correct? Right? When I say you're wealthy and you're like, well, not as wealthy as that guy, right? Here's the reality, right? Um, if you have three good meals today, and if you have a roof over your head, and if you drove here in your car, and, and, and if you have all that you have, and if you got a ski pass to Big Sky Resort, you're probably in the top 5%, maybe higher, right? Of the world in terms of wealth. I, I don't think it's a far stretch for us to say we are probably in the top 5%. Everybody in this room is in the top 5% of the most wealthy people in the world. And so this is an important question for us because more divorces happen because of money than anything else. More lawsuits happen because of how money is handled than anything else. More family disputes are, are, are commonly found over issues of inheritance and finances and whether we have a lot or we have a little, how we handle what God has given to us matters. And the Bible, specifically Jesus, has a very clear teaching for us to look at today that I want to really 
We really want to dive into to handle this. So we're going to be in Matthew, Matthew 6. Matthew 6, 19 through, I'll go through 24. We're just going to focus in on two little verses, 21 and 24, but I'm going to read through the whole thing. Jesus uh, is speaking and says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. This is one we're going to focus on. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let me say that one again. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be filled, filled with darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. This is the second part of what we're going to focus on. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I want to look specifically first at verse 21. This is today's verse, part one. Where your treasure is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And what I want to do is take a little bit of time for us to examine this passage in two ways. I thought this was kind of like a, a smart little way like um, to deal with this. We're going to say there's two sides to the coin, okay? One side of the coin. The first side of the coin in this specific part of the passage is this. We give to what we Love. That's part of what this passage is saying, right? When it says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What it's saying is, we give to what we love. Jesus is saying, listen, if I can see what you spent on Amazon Prime this week, right? Or if I can see your credit card statement, then I can tell you what you value. I can tell you what you, what you love, Right? He says, wherever your treasure is, wherever you put your wealth, we, we can figure out then what you love. Wherever you give to, that's what you love. Let's take some really simple examples. For example, you might say, I love skiing, correct? Anybody love skiing or snowboarding? Come on, how many of you love skiing and snowboarding? All right. Um, because you love skiing or snowboarding, you get on a payment plan as soon as the season is over, if you're like me, so that you can pay for the next season of skiing, right? And you save up for new skis and new boots, new gear that you don't really need, but you do it because you love skiing, correct? Um, okay, another example. You say to me, I love my kids. Great. Awesome. You love your kids. And it would be easy for me to see because, you know what, you save up and, and you want to take them on a great family vacation. It's great. We're going to Maui uh, in a week and one day. And I am counting. We've been counting for a very long time, actually. We have this little uh, chain of, of uh, paper chain and the kids are keep ripping one off every day until we go to Maui. Um, 
And so we saved up for that because we love family and we love our kids. We're going with 31 of my in-laws. So you can pray for me. Um, <laughs> kidding, I love them. They're awesome. Um, everything's great in Maui, trust me. Um, even in-laws. Um, so you would say, I love my family, I love my kids. I, I save up for them so they can go to the college they want to. Right? I, I spend money on their, um, what, they want to play the trumpet, or they want to play the violin, or they want to they do some activity. I help finance that. I help figure that out for them, right? And we would say, oh, it's easy to see that what you love, it, it, it costs you something, right? That, that we can see that what you treasure while your heart is there. You, you give your treasure to where your heart is what you love, um, and so the question, one question for us is, what do you really love? What do you love? Like, so if we had to share with each other our U.S. bank statement for the month, right? Like if I had, if I put my statement up here, which I am not going to do, um, <laughs> um, and you looked at it and you said, well, I can figure out, Brian, what you love. And I was really convicted by this thought uh, this past week. I actually went through my U.S. bank account. I actually went on my Amazon Prime because I love Amazon Prime in like a bad, bad way. Um, and uh, Lori was like, How? did somebody steal your credit card? I'm like, no, uh, this is just Christmas time. Um, and I was convicted by this because I started, I started looking at, at my own spending habits. And he, here's what I found. I spend a lot on me. And I bet you do too. Um, What I looked at and what I saw actually was something really um, interesting and uh, nuanced. What I really found out about myself is that I love comfort. Anybody else in the room love comfort? Anybody else like somebody coming and serving them food on a platter and then taking all the dirty dishes away? And then you not having to do anything. Anybody like that in the room? Right? Okay, okay, good. Anybody like warm beds? Like comfy beds? Like, so, anybody like big comfy beds? Right, we bought a bed uh, about a year and a half ago. And like we spent a lot of money on it. And we, we were like, oh, you know, we need to sleep well. But the reality is we just bought a really, really comfy bed. And a really big bed, because we have two kids who end up crawling in bed with us all the time. Um, And and I found this to be a little bit uh, disconcerting, because I was like, um, what would God say if he took a look at my U.S. bank account or my Amazon Prime account or whatever, um, whatever I was spending my cash on? What would he say that I love? What would you say about what I love? So it would become very, very clear to you and very, very evident to you what I love. And the same thing is true for you. If I could see what you spend your money on, I could tell you what you love. And so this uh, has some major convictions for us, right? The implications are phenomenal. What do you love? And is it worthy of love? Right, Jesus starts out the passage by saying this. Do not store up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But instead, store up yourself treasure in heaven where 
it's not destroyed. And so the question is for us, where are we putting our treasure? Where moth and rust destroy our, or are we putting our treasure into that which lasts? Okay, the other side of the coin. This is, this is an encouraging sermon so far, right? Like, uh, yeah. All right, I'm glad I came today. Um, the other side of the coin. The other side of the coin. So first, one side of the coin, we give to what we love. The other side of the coin is this. Giving, giving our treasure shapes our heart. So giving of our treasure, it shapes our hearts. The way we give actually shapes our hearts. So one part of how, what it says is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But a second implication of this simple verse uh, is another side of a coin that I, I've come to know and love really in the past couple years. And I want to give credit where credit is due. Alan Johnson brought this up. I don't remember. At some men's group meeting, we were talking about finances. Um, I was really intrigued by this idea, and I've read some other authors who have the same thought about this passage. And the the second implication of this verse is that your heart can be shaped and molded. It can change. It can grow. And one of the primary ways that it changes and grows towards something is by giving toward it. So what you treasure, what your, what your heart loves can be changed and shaped by where you put your treasure. Let me unpack this for you, okay? Here's a really funny example. I love the Broncos. Love the Broncos. Even this year, if I say that out loud, I mean, they're terrible, right? But I love the Broncos. And I was thinking back to why do I love the Broncos? I mean, my dad was a Broncos fan. I remember being, I have these pictures of me with old Broncos gear when I was a little kid. But there's really one specific moment that I remember that I became a real Broncos fan. I really loved the Broncos. It was 1989. It was the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 29. Uh, a Super Bowl I would love to forget, but I cannot. It was the Broncos versus the San Francisco 49ers. Joe Montana versus John Elway. Best of the best. It was going to be an amazing game until it was 55 to 10. <laughs> 49ers over the Broncos, right? Now I got some 49ers fans cheering in here, still living the good old days. Um, I, was, uh, I was a young kid, and here's why I remember that. So clearly, because Broncos have lost other Super Bowls. I've been there for that too. But I cried during that Super Bowl. Now, part of that was I was a young kid, but part of that was because of Andy Olsen. Now, Andy Olsen and I, we went to school together. And Andy Olsen was a 49ers fan, a Joe Montana fan, right? And we were going back and forth about who's going to win the Super Bowl, who's going to win the Super Bowl. And I was so confident in this. I said, Andy, I will bet you a dollar that the Broncos will win the Super Bowl. And Andy said, great, I'm so confident, I'll bet you a dollar and some baseball cards, okay? And that was a big deal for us back then, right? So Andy and I had this bet set for one dollar and some baseball cards that really meant a lot to us over this game. And I'll never forget crying my eyes out because the Broncos had lost and because I was invested, right? I was invested. I had put my little treasure that I had 
into the Broncos and the value of them had grown in my heart. I had, I loved them even more. And I, I seriously think back to that moment and think, that's when I first became a Broncos fan. That's when I, no, that's when I really, really said, I love the Broncos. Now, I'm not advocating sports betting, okay? Don't watch, my, my pastor said, um, if I love, anyway, don't, don't do that. What I'm saying is, what you invest in will change what you love. What you give yourself to, what, what you give your time, your talent, and particularly your treasure to, you will grow to love that. It's, there's a spiritual principle in this, right? Have you ever been really mad at somebody and then be like, I'm going to pray for them. And then you pray for them and you're like, I'm not as mad at them anymore, but they're still kind of a jerk, right? Like you have invested in them. You have invested in something and your heart gets shaked. We could call this the Grinch principle, right? Right? You know the story of the Grinch? He steals everything, he hates Christmas, and then something inside of him happens, and and he brings all the presents back, and then, what does it say? His heart grew three sizes that day. Right? And so the question for us would be, how do we have a heart that is shaped like God's? See, See, God is a giver. In his heart. This is what we're going to talk about next week, Sunday. All God does is give. That's all he does. All the time. He gives, and he gives, and he gives, even when it hurts him, even when it costs him his own son, even when there's a cross involved. He gives, and he gives, and he gives, and he gives. I read this quote this week. You're more like God when you give than any other time in your life. You're more like God when you give than any other time in your life. And I want to to translate this for us in just a real simple way. Um, And I I do want to talk about church. So if you're like a visitor here, you can listen in. I hope you can apply this to your own church. If you're part of this church body, let's just talk about church. It's like a little family meeting inside inside the sermon. Um, We want Big Sky Christian Fellowship to be a place where people call home. We do. We don't, we love you visitors. I'm really glad you're here. Awesome. But like the heart of who we are is we really exist, um, to help people find a home in a place where, um, it's hard to find a home, both literally and figuratively. Um, that's a good one. Um, we want to find a place. We want to be a place where you can call home. We want big sky Christian fellowship to be a soft and safe place for you to fall. Somebody, uh, Michelle Donaldson told me that, and I'm totally coining that phrase, Michelle. We want this church to be a safe and soft place for people to fall. That they, that they would go, oh man, that, I'm loved there, I'm cherished there, I'm cared for there. We want to be a place that passionately follows Jesus together. That's our, that's our vision statement. It's not confusing. It's not we want to follow a bunch of religious rules. It's not we want to check boxes. It's, it's not that. It's we want to just passionately, like with all of us, with our heart, we want to passionately follow, because we're not the leader, we want to follow Jesus, and we want to do it all together. Um, 
And, and we live in a hard day and age. We live in a consumeristic age, even when it comes to the church. There's this hilarious clip, I didn't have time for it, but it was about like these church shoppers who were like going from church to church, and they were like, well, the music here is no good, but the preaching there is so good. And like there's this consumeristic, like, can you give me what I need? Can you give me what I need? And we're not that church. We're just not that church. There are some things here you're going to like. There's some things here you're not going to like. Um, there's some things here that are reasonably efficient. And then there's a lot of things that we just kind of like, we passionately follow Jesus together. And sometimes it's a little confusing, right? <laughs> What's interesting about Big Scarecrows and Fellowship, though, is, is that I can always tell when um, a, a switch flips for somebody. And it typically has to do with giving. Um, I've heard this before. Um, some of you will say, especially the visitors will say, I went to this nice church, Big St. Christian Fellowship. I think the pastor's name was Brian. Brian's church was really awesome. It was fun. We had a great time. Um, or you say, I went to Big Sky Christian Fellowship today. But, but, but there's this transition moment when I have these conversations with people when they will say this. Yeah, I went to my church this week. I went, to, I went to my church this week, and, and suddenly a, a, a switch flips. And, and I'll tell you what I've seen. I've just, I'm just straw polling here, but like what I've seen is that it comes often with investment. It comes often when someone has planted their flag here and said, yes, I'm going to give treasure. Yes, I'm going to give time. Yes, I'm going to give talent to this place. And suddenly it's not your church. It's not somebody else's church. It's not this pastor's church. It's my church. It's my church family. And here's how our church family works. We... um, we take an offering every week, and um, Jeremy said it like, this goes into the general fund, which is kind of like, okay, great. This is a bottomless pit of money that just like floats. Okay, great. No. Um, we as a church want to take every single dollar and say, Jesus, what do you want us to do with that dollar? We want to take it and consider how we can spend not our money, but God's money for God's purposes here in Big Sky and beyond. We want to be more generous. We want our heart as a church to be enlarged to the things that God's heart is enlarged to. And and this is why we do it. This is why we give on Sunday morning. We give on Sunday morning because uh, we wanted to pack a hundred Operation Christmas Child boxes, and we did this year. We want to give on Sunday morning because... We want to do vacation Bible for 65 kids this summer. We want to give because we have a family director named Amber who is phenomenal, involved in the school, involved in your kids' lives. Um, We're considering a marriage uh, seminar series and a parenting class in the new year. We're going to do Financial Peace University in the upcoming year. We have a gal, Suzanne, who organizes everything because I'm kind of a mess, um, but I talk good sometimes. Um, This is why we do it. We do it because, uh, man, we did 11 river baptisms this fall. Water was so freezing and so amazing. See, we do this because we want our hearts to be shaped. We want our lives to be transformed. We want to passionately follow Jesus together. That's why we do what we do. And I want to give you a tangible example of this for next week. Um, so it's Christmas Eve next week, and here's what we're going to do. 
all of our giving next week. And I want you to think about this this week. And I want you to be prayerful about this this week. And I want you to get a number this week. And I don't care what that number is. Figure that out with God. There's this great verse that says, um, you shouldn't give under compulsion, right? You shouldn't give compulsively, but that you should decide in your heart what you're going to give. So I want you to think about this. I'm giving you a whole week, okay? Um, we're going we're gonna to give away 100% of our offering next week. 11, 3, and 5. Everything we get. We do this every Christmas Eve. And to be honest with you, most churches don't. Because you get to the end of the year, and you're like, uh, we need to make budget. Right? Like, um, family meeting. Uh, we're a little behind budget. We have not received as much as we have needed. I think it's fine. God's got a thousand sheep on a thousand hills. And I ain't worried about it too much. Okay? But... Um, I believe in that so much that we're just we're going to keep doing this. And so next week we're giving away all three of those offerings and like we've had okay offerings. We've had okay offerings. Like last year I think it was like around $8,000. I think it was it was it was pretty good. We can do better than that, church. We can do better than that. Here's the two things we're going to give to. We're going to give to young life. So we're going to give to kids in this community who need to meet and know Jesus. We've got Lucas and Shannon Westblade who work tirelessly for our kids in this community. They love and care for the kids in this community. And we're going to support and love them. And we're going to support and love our kids down at the school and in this community by supporting Young Life. And the second thing we're going to do um, is that we're going to uh, support the Uganda Orphans Fund. We sent a team there. This is our third, second trip, third trip, third-ish trip with some people from the church. How many trips is it for you, Don Dan? You have lost count. How many trips? Ten. Ten. Ten trips to the Kazozi village in Uganda, to these beautiful kids who are learning there and growing there. And we're going we're gonna to give everything away to those two ministries next week. And I want you to think about it. And I want you to pray about it. And I want you to let your heart be shaped by these ministries. If you've got more questions, then you better ask them. You better call me or email me or say, how can I help? How can I get involved? Because here's what's happened. If you give to it, your heart will be changed. Your heart will be enlarged. And maybe you're giving because you already love it, but maybe you need to give because you need to love it more because we want to be a church that has God-shaped hearts. We want God-shaped hearts. Um, one of the other tangibles, we're, we're talking about partnering with Love, Inc. in this upcoming year with Sheila D'Amico over here. She's the executive director of Love, Inc. You can talk to her afterwards in the lobby about her incredible ministry uh, that serves churches and partners with churches to love those in need in our communities, right? We are tangibly trying to connect with them uh, as we give out these Christmas meals, as we give these Christmas meal boxes so that we can love people throughout the year. Here's the big idea, church. Like, we need to give more. We need to be more generous. I'm convicted of this. And as, as your pastor, like, we need to be more generous. We need to set the standard. We need to live in a very wealthy society, wealth all around us. We're in the boom right now, right? We know this. And the temptation in the boom is to like spend it on me. And we need to set the tone to say, no, 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 no. We're going to spend what God has given us for God's purposes. Because, today's verse part two, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. See, here's the picture. We, we even have this phrase. You're a slave to the almighty 
dollar. Have you heard that one? This is another phrase. Some of us are, um, what is it? How does it go? Mortgage poor, <laughs> right? House poor. There you go. House poor. Thank you. House poor. Some of us are slaves to um, something that's not going to give us life and, and is going to fade and wither and ro- uh, moths and rust will destroy. I mean, here's, oh man, uh, like a moth. Do moths really just, yes, a moth, a tiny little moth is going to destroy some of the things in our lives. And some of us are slaves to those tiny little things. We have given ourselves over to things that are temporal instead of things that are everlasting. Some of us are in an endless cycle of paying the bills, then hoping we have a little bit more extra, then repeating the cycle next month, then hoping we have a little more extra, and then spending it on ourselves, and then hoping we have a little more extra. And that sounds like slavery to me. If Doesn't it? It sounds like slavery. So you cannot serve two masters. Gordon McDonald, he's the chancellor at Denver Seminary, where I graduated from this year. I'm still celebrating. Um, He writes this little book called Generosity. Um, I'll leave it up here if you want to check it out. It's fantastic. He says this, Many of us uh, will want to deny the force of Jesus' statement. He's referring specifically to this passage, No one can serve two masters. Better that we capitulate it. Better that we acknowledge that when we have a surplus of money, we are always on the cusp of drifting away from God. With money, we have less to pray for. With money, we have less a sense of dependence upon him. With money, we are tempted toward the myth of self-sufficiency. And with money, we face the constant stress of aligning our priorities with kingdom purposes. Oh, and this too. With money, we are forever fighting pride and losing humility. Those are all possibilities. You can't serve both, Jesus tells his crowd of listeners. The implication is unmistakable. Make up your mind and make it up every day. Which do you serve? You can't serve both. It is an intimidating mystery. No wonder it says, after this verse, that the Pharisees mocked Jesus. What else can you do if you feel threatened by the truth? So here's the big question. Who's the king of my treasure? Who is the king of my treasure? I want to invite the worship team to come up and lead us in one last song. As I tell you one last story. So, later in Jesus' ministry, he's hanging out with his disciples and... They're standing outside the temple where people would come and they would offer offerings. Um, Offerings uh, to the temple to uh, atone for their sins and and to kind of have conversation with God. That's all kind of been done. That's all been done away with. Not kind of. That has been done away with um, through Jesus' sacrifice. And so we now get to give in a whole new light. Um, 
But, but as they're standing there, Jesus, Jesus says to them, hey, notice, notice, watch this, watch this. And, 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 and this really wealthy person comes walking up and, and kind of makes a big show of it and, and like gives, like, gives a lot. And you can almost hear him like, like coming over and like making sure like he drops some coins as he, oh, I dropped some coins. Look at those. And then he, you know, he puts them in and bling, bling, bling. And you can almost see the, like the, the pastor, like, oh yeah, pastor's getting a Ferrari, right? Like he's very pleased with this, right? And, and bling, bling, bling. And he's dropping in his bling, bling. And, and, and after he leaves this, this little, this little widow comes walking up and she's got, she's got just like two little, two little pennies. And Jesus says, watch this, watch this, watch this. It's, it, that's everything she has. What she's about to give. It's, it's everything that she has. Do you, do you understand what's going on here? He's just, he's giving from his surplus. She's giving everything that she has. And so she blink, blink. That's all she gives. That's all she has. And it's in that moment that Jesus points to her. And you can almost just you can almost hear his heart enlargening for her, can't you? His, his heart is growing. Jesus' heart, like he's not the Grinch, man. He's the opposite of the Grinch. But even Jesus' heart is growing that day for this woman who's giving out of what she what she what she, what she just everything. It's everything she's got. Versus the guy who wants to make a big deal about giving a little out of the excess he has. And so it's a good picture for us to ask the question, who's the king of my treasure? See, this woman, she trusts Jesus. She gives everything because she understands where her wealth belongs. She knows who's going to take care of her. Jesus looks at her and says, she knows me. And that's all you need to know. And so how will you be generous in the remaining week of two, uh, two weeks of 2017? And how will God expand your heart to give in the upcoming year? Jesus, we want to be those who are like you and who give. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Greater love has no one than this, that he give his life for his friends. Jesus, this is a hard teaching for us. We admit that. And um, we know that we value some things and we love some things that are temporal. And we just ask that you would change our hearts. That you would change our desires and our loves to be more and more like you. Jesus, as we close out this year, as we come upon your birthday, we ask that we would celebrate it well. And, and I pray ahead for next week for the offering. God, I just pray that you would blow our minds with what you do. That you would enlarge our hearts with what you do. That you would grow our faith and our trust so we can give you everything. God, thank you. It's, it's, it's not great that we love you, but it's great that you love us and gave yourself to 
us. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand for our last song.